April 23rd is traditionally celebrated as St. George's Day. St. George was a soldier in the Roman army and member of the Praetorian Guard for Roman Emperor Diocletian. He was sentenced to death for refusing to recant his Christian faith. The veneration of St. George dates certainly to the 5th, possibly even to the 4th century. He was born to Christian parents in Cappadocia. After his father died, his mother, who was originally from Lida in Palestine, returned with George to her hometown. There he went on to become a soldier for the Roman army. After his mother's death, George traveled to the eastern imperial capital, Nicomedia, where he was executed during the Diocletian persecution on April 23rd in the year 303. His body was buried in Lida, where Christians soon came to honor him as a martyr. The earliest known record of the legend of St. George and the dragon, which you have probably heard of, is from the 11th century. It tells that the fierce dragon was causing panic at the city of Silene, Libya, at the time George arrived there. In order to prevent the dragon from devastating the city, the people gave two sheep each day to the dragon. But when the sheep were not enough, they were forced to sacrifice virgins instead of the sheep. The virgins to be sacrificed were determined by drawing lots by the people of the city. And one day, the king's daughter was chosen to be sacrificed. St. George saved the girl by slaying the dragon with his lance. The king of the city was so grateful that he offered him treasures as a reward for saving his daughter's life. But St. George gave his reward to the poor. The people of the city were so amazed at what they had witnessed that they became Christians and were all baptized. As I said, this legend comes from a much later time. St. George died as a martyr in the year 303. The legend of the dragon was written down several hundreds years later. However, there is an important truth to this story. Namely, it is an allegory that talks about the church, about the persecution of Christians, and about the martyrs who as soldiers of Christ 
have given their lives both for their Lord and for the freedom of the church. The city and its inhabitants in this story represent humanity enslaved by Satan. Satan, of course, is represented by the dragon. The sheep and virgins that the people of the city must sacrifice to the dragon are Christians, especially martyrs, who are trying to keep themselves unstained by evil and the lies of the devil and must therefore die for their convictions and faith. And St. George, who kills the dragon, putting his life on the line, shows us the only conceivable way to defeat Satan and his minions. It is the way of self-giving, sacrificial love. Here we come to today's Gospel and Epistle. In the Gospel, Jesus speaks of himself as the Good Shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And in the Epistle, St. Peter writes, This is thankworthy if a man, for conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully, If, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. We may ask now how we can follow the example of Christ and his martyrs if we are not directly persecuted. First of all, I want to remind you that the fact that we are not being physically persecuted in this country, at least for now, is compared to many Christians living in other countries a great privilege for which we should thank God from the bottom of our hearts. According to data published last year, the persecution of Christians has reached its highest level in the last 30 years. Across 76 countries, more than 360 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. Last year, the number of persecuted Christians increased by an estimated 20 million. Let's think about what this means. Not only that 17 centuries after St. George's martyrdom, there are still those who persecute Christians but that thanks to God, there are also those who are willing to give their lives for Christ. No doubt we may feel pity for persecuted Christians, but at the same time, 
we should look upon them with humble reverence and admiration, for they set us an example of which we do not know whether we are worthy until something similar befalls us ourselves. However, the fact that we are not physically persecuted in this country right now does not mean that it is not possible for us to give a faithful witness to Christ and therefore also suffer, whether externally or internally. By outward suffering with Christ, I mean the looks and hardiness that those who remain faithful to the word of Christ and the traditional positions of the church, especially in moral matters, must inevitably experience. It is not easy to bear being called out of date, rigid, intolerant, hateful, maybe just stupid. It's not easy when your kindness and willingness to help is taken advantage of. There is a terrible saying, no good deed goes unpunished. Such a saying, even such a thought, should not exist. But we know that, unfortunately, it is so, and not at all rarely. This is where our inner suffering mostly comes from. We feel how the way we are treated affects and changes us. We become bitter, angry, intolerant. Yes, we even begin hate the world around us, while our Lord tells us to love everyone, even when everyone despises and hates us. Conquering our inner pride, despite all the wounds inflicted on our hearts, is sometimes very difficult. It's even harder than going against a fire-breathing dragon with a sword or lance. And yet this is the most evil dragon, the dragon of selfishness and bitterness in our own hearts that we must slay before we can do something to help to save the world around us from evil. Of course, we also have to remember that we are not the ones who will save the world from evil, from evil, sin and death. The only saviour of the world is our crucified and risen Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the one who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness. For we were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd of our souls. You may have heard the saying that it is better to live a day as a lion 
than a hundred years as a sheep. I'm not going to debate who the quote came from and whether I agree with it or not. I would rather say that the truth is that to be a sheep of Christ means that we must be lions at the same time. I don't mean we have to be lions as predators. We must be lions in valor and nobility of heart, always faithful to our Lord and ready to give ourselves not only to save the souls of our friends, but also of our enemies. And don't tell me this is something simple and easy. Our Lord does not offer us an easy life or a smooth road. He invites us to take up our cross and follow him because this is the only way that will lead us to the rich pasture of eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.